Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be breaking down the Wednesday, February 8th DFS slate of college basketball. We've got a 12-game slate being offered up on DraftKings, as well as a five-game slate on FanDuel. And again, I'm telling y'all, I'm going to continue to support FanDuel as they offer full lineup college basketball. Um, I think competition is always good. I think that there's always been a healthy competition between FanDuel and DraftKings in terms of driving in you know good customer service and good contest offerings uh, and so i'm going to continue to support fanduel even if they are offering smaller game slates with some prices we can take advantage of but hey i'm all in for it so i'm going to be breaking them both down again as usual all the stats and the prices are going to be from DraftKings since that's where i've been rocking with all year but just know that all the opinions of players that i'm going to have today are going to apply on DraftKings as well as fanduel now, make sure you rate and subscribe to the podcast feed, y'all. Um, first off, reviewing and rating really helps me out a lot. Helps get the word out. I'm trying to keep growing this audience. I want to become the biggest college basketball DFS podcast in the world. And I think I'm starting to get there a little bit, but I'm not there yet. So um, please help me out and do that. And also, we will have more college basketball content coming your way. We will also be doing a showdown episode of the Super Bowl um, for DFS purposes, of course. And then lastly, if you played any DFS golf, make sure you check out our preview of the Waste Management Open that went live last night. Um, we break down that golf tournament. DFS golf is absolutely one of my favorite forms of DFS also. Um, so just make sure, take advantage of that if you are interested. All right, enough with the introductions now. Let's go ahead and start talking some college basketball. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. <laughs> All right, so we do have a big 12-game slate on DraftKings, but believe it or not, this is actually kind of one of the lower point total nights I have seen in recent memory. Of the 12 games that are on DraftKings tonight, only four of them have a total over 140. The highest total in the game that I would recommend targeting the most is Syracuse and FSU, which is at 150. Now, granted, this game isn't at a high total because both teams play at a fast tempo or because both these teams are good, just they don't, both don't really play a whole lot of defense. And so the total in this one is 150. I think there are some spots in that game you can take advantage of. And Syracuse are only two-point favorites, so that one will promise to be a close matchup. Now, the second highest total on the night is Florida versus Alabama. The total is 147.5, and Bama is nine-point favorites. We've gone over Bama. They are one of the fastest tempo teams in the nation. They also take a heck of a lot of threes, so their games tend to get into high totals. And believe it or not, Bama is also the highest implied team total on the slate, so if you're looking to stack one team, Alabama might be the one that you wish to choose. Now, in terms of other teams you might look to stacking, Syracuse would be second in terms of implied total. Villanova and Baylor are third and fourth. Both are double-digit favorites against their opponents who are DePaul and Oklahoma respectively um, and so I think both of those might be worth a look and then one team that I think is in a really good tempo up spot is Oklahoma State they're six point favorites against Texas Tech with a total of 135 which kind of feels high for Oklahoma State if I'm being honest so I think that they might be a team to look out for as well as they are projected to score more points than they currently average all right so let's break down the guard position so in terms of the top of the board at the guard position, we've got Jalen Piggott of Penn State here for this Wednesday night slate. And honestly, he hasn't been great lately. He only has one game in his last five over 35 fantasy points. And granted, since he's at an even $10,000 on DraftKings, that means he has only one game in his last five over 3.5 times value. That's not great. However, if you want some upside, 
that one game that was over 35 was 50 fantasy points, which is five times value. Now, there are not a whole lot of spend-up options on this slate in general, especially at the guard position. So I think that he will probably come in fairly popular. And I'm always willing to eat more ownership at the top-priced guys than with like the sleepers that I play, if I'm being honest. Like sometimes playing chalk at the top isn't so bad because then if he just turns in, you know, a solid 3.5 performance outing, there's not a whole lot of people on the slate that are going to, you know, get that max boost. So um, I might look elsewhere, but I'm absolutely okay with going to Jalen Pickett. Another good thing he has going for him, he had 43.5 fantasy points last time he played against Wisconsin, um, who hasn't been a bad matchup at all for leading guards. So, um, not a bad spot for Jalen Pickett. I don't think I would choose to play him over some of the high-priced forwards, um, but I definitely don't mind going with Jalen Pickett against Wisconsin. Looking further down the board, FSU's Matthew Cleveland can be a little bit of a hit or miss, but this is a great game environment, and I think that there's ever a time to deploy him. It would probably be against a team like Syracuse where um, it's going to be high scoring. There's going to be an opportunity for him to score, get rebounds. It's going to be up and down a little bit. Um, so I don't think this is a bad spot for Matthew Cleveland. I will probably not get there. Um, just not a fan of playing FSU guys. Leonard Hamilton plays a really deep bench and you know kind of varies his minutes up a lot. And so I would probably tend to avoid Cleveland, but if you like the game environment, that's not a bad spot to go to. Kadari Richmond has been really good for Seton Hall recently. And, you know, kind of speaking of Syracuse, he's a Syracuse transfer. Fun fact. Anyway, he's averaging 35 fantasy points over his last three games. Um, what is concerning, though, is that he only played 17 minutes and only had nine fantasy points in a blowout loss at Creighton the first time these two teams played. Um, I don't necessarily think that repeats itself. I think he's playing a lot better basketball right now. The usage rate is a lot more steady now than it was then. Um, so I think he could be in for a pretty good night. I just wish that he were priced a little bit lower, like um, about even 8K, which is where he has been from um, for a lot of the season. So I think that he could be at a better price, but I definitely don't mind going to Kadari Richmond against Creighton. Umoja Gibson of DePaul has been our GPP king for a while, but he's starting to turn away from that role. He hasn't scored over 40 fantasy points in the calendar year, and he also doesn't have a game under 29 fantasy points in his last six. So our guy who had been like a GPP machine putting up performances of 40 and 50 followed by 20 and 12, um, he hasn't been that in recent action. And so I think he's actually a fairly solid cash game option. And against Villanova, last time he had 24.4 fantasy points. As the season goes on, Villanova is starting to kind of lean into the tempo a little bit more and play a little faster. Um, so I think that that total could definitely be increased for Emoji Gibson. Um, I don't think it's a bad spot for him. I think he's a really solid cash game play, which is a direct contrast from what he's been most of the season. Another guy over 8K is Eric Stevenson of West Virginia. He has gotten a huge price increase after averaging 42 fantasy points in his last three games, which is insane for a guy who's not named Zach Eady or Trace Jackson Davis. And I'll be honest, I kind of am buying this. I think that this might be here to stay for Eric Stevenson. Now, it hasn't been like performances that I would say are flashes in the pan. And, and what I mean by that is he's gotten 17 shots in each of those three games. So, you know, maybe one 17 shot game, maybe, you know, it's a shooter feeling himself on a hot streak. Two games in a row, you know, maybe Huggins is trying some new offense and, you know, it happens to work. Three games in a row of 17 shots, that's quite substantial. So I think that Eric Stevenson might be here to stay. The only thing that worries me is the, is the fact that they're playing Iowa State Wednesday night and Iowa State plays at a turtle tempo. 
and they play really good defense. And so if there is a bad matchup for this streak to be broken, it would be Iowa State, which would then, if he gets still a lot of shot attempts, would then set up a really prime bounce-back opportunity on Saturday when they play Texas. So if I don't mention that on the Saturday podcast, you know, mark it down right now. If Eric Stevenson doesn't play well against Iowa State, he's a big bounce-back candidate against Texas. All right, now one more guy to talk about is Seth Lundy, who does get dual eligibility. He's been great lately, but he only had 7.3 fantasy points against Wisconsin. Last time, hard pass for me on that one. The last guard over 8K that I do like is Zakai Ziegler of Tennessee. He does have two kind of duds recently against Auburn and Florida, but those games have been absolute rock fights. There was under 100 points scored in that game against Auburn. And Vanderbilt, they're not as good defensively. And they play faster than both Auburn and Florida. So I think this game is going to see a much higher total than the 121 points that he saw against Florida and the under 100 he saw against Auburn, which plays very well for Zakai because he scores, rebounds, assists. He's much better when the game's getting up and down. If you need evidence of that, look at his performances against the likes of Texas uh, in his slightly less recent games. I think this is a great spot for Zakai Ziegler. I'm fine paying up to 8K to get him. In the 7K range, a few guys that I do like. Judah Mintz of Syracuse feels like a really good high-floor cash game play. Michigan has a nice little two-game win streak going, and in it, Kobe Bufkin has had 49.5 and 35 fantasy points. Unlike Eric Stevenson, he hasn't been getting extra shots. However, he has been getting increased usage. He's contributed a lot more on the boards and a lot more with assists than he had previously. He has a combined 20 rebounds and 13 assists in his last two games. I think this is still a pretty good spot for Kobe Bufkin. He's seeing increased production because of increased workload without having increased shots, which is kind of an interesting trend. If he continues to board it and assist it the way he has been, he's going to be a solid fantasy producer night in and night out. And I think this is a really good spot against a depleted Nebraska team that I think Michigan should be able to beat by double digits. And then last one in the 7K range, I think this Iowa State-West Virginia game could be a Jaron Holmes game. We've seen Jaron Holmes have these kind of pop performances, and I think this could be one of them. It's a tempo up spot against West Virginia, and I could just see it happening. I'm not saying it's a guarantee. I'm not saying it's a safe or an optimal play. I could just see Jaron Holmes having a big game in this one. In the 6K range, this is a tempo up game for Oklahoma, which makes it a solid spot for Grant Sherfield. We've gone over him on the podcast before. We like games where Oklahoma is playing in a faster tempo to help Grant out a little bit. Josiah Jordan-James, a.k.a. Triple J of Tennessee, has been really up and down lately, but he's averaging 12 shot attempts in his last six, and that solid workload, which also happens to coincide with when Zakai's leader was inserted in the starting lineup, that solid workload transfers, right? And Vanderbilt is a bad defensive team. So if he hits more of those 12 shots against Vanderbilt than he has against Auburn and Florida, I think this is a pretty good spot for Triple J. And then also in the 6K range, Hunter Couture of Virginia Tech feels like a little bit of an underprice to me. This Virginia Tech team's entirely different when he's in the lineup. He gives them a lot of shooting. He's really good defensively. He can distribute the ball as well. Uh, I think it's a little bit of a misprice and I wouldn't mind going to him at all. Now in the 5K range, the Oklahoma State Cowboys own this range. What is relevant to know is that Avery Anderson III is out for Oklahoma State, and we have one game sample size to go off of uh, in terms of what they do when Avery Anderson is out. In their last game, Bryce Thompson played 35 minutes but had very little production, which was kind of shocking in my opinion. I thought Bryce Thompson was going to be a guy who would really take advantage of that situation. John Michael Wright played 37 minutes and had 27 fantasy points pretty solid. And Caleb Asbury played 33 minutes and had 33 fantasy points. 
Very solid. So I think all three of these guys are absolutely playable because listen to those minute totals, 35, 37, and 33. So even though the production wasn't there for Bryce Thompson last time, I think it could be there this time. And John Michael Wright and Caleb Asprey, if they're going to get that many minutes, they're going to find their way into some success in DFS. So I'm okay with playing any of those three Oklahoma State Cowboys as your entrance into the 5K range. Between the three of them, I think ownership will be lowest on Bryce Thompson. So I will probably be inclined to go back to him, even though that last game was not good. And I think ownership will probably be highest on Caleb Asbury. And I kind of don't mind that one. So I think the forgotten guy might be John Michael Wright. So again, I'm fine playing all three of them. I would probably rank them objectively Thompson, Asbury, and then Wright. Nebraska is down multiple key players for the season, and so they have two guys that really intrigue me. One is in the 5K range, and that is Kize Tomonaga, and the other guy that intrigues me is Jamarcus Lawrence. He is in the 4K range. Both had over 30 fantasy points last game, and I think that no matter how this game flows for against Michigan, uh, Tomonaga and Lawrence are both going to see a lot of minutes and a lot of shot attempts. Also in the 4K range, Rylan Griffin for Alabama has been really solid lately. He has at least 19 fantasy points in his last three games. For Oklahoma, they've been giving two guards a little bit of a boost in minutes in favor of some of the other guards that they have and some of the forwards that they have, if I'm being honest. And they are Otega Owe and Bijan Cortez. They haven't really translated to the most fantasy production, but it's just something to keep an eye on, and I wouldn't mind either of the two of them as like a super value play. Pop Isaacs of Texas Tech continues to be out, and I expect him to miss this game also. He's currently listed as questionable on DraftKings. I have not heard anything in terms of good signs for his recovery, so I would expect him to continue to be out. And if Pop Isaacs is out, Lamar Washington continues to be a solid option in his place. Maybe not the most upside in the world, but if you're plugging a guy in in 3K range that is pretty much a lock to see 25 minutes and 15 fantasy points, that's pretty solid. And then one other guy I do like is a guy that gets dual eligibility, and that is KT Ramey of DePaul. He has at least 14 fantasy points in the last two games, which, again, we're okay with at the 3K range. All right, that does it for the guard position tonight. So let's go ahead and take a quick breather and then break down the big fellas. All right, now at the forward position, there are multiple options in the 9K range that are playable in my opinion, and I wouldn't mind going any of them, but I will say the one that I would prefer is Hunter Dickinson. So I mentioned earlier that Michigan is on a nice little two-game win streak. They're starting to kind of find themselves back on the bubble for the NCAA tournament. They've been playing some good basketball, and they've done it by getting the ball to their big guy, Hunter Dickinson. He has at least 15 shots in both of those games, and Nebraska is really depleted, really small down low. Um, so I think this is just an absolutely great spot for Hunter Dickinson. Now, like I said, I do like all four of the 9K forwards on DraftKings for Wednesday night. Um, if I were ranking them, I'd go Dickinson 1, Brandon Miller 2, Jesse Edwards 3, Colin Castleton 4. Brandon Miller just, you know, the way Alabama gets up and down, he's always going to have a lot of upside. Jesse Edwards against a team like Florida State that's not good defensively and honestly not that great offensively could be in for a big night scoring and rebounding. And then Colin Castleton going against Alabama, um, I don't mind going to him, but I just Alabama plays at a super fast tempo, and that's not really his jam. Um I don't mind going to him as kind of a contrarian play. Like we've seen him have big games kind of out of nowhere or, you know, unexpectedly, but he would kind of be my fourth option out of the four. And I think ownership will be the lowest on Colin Castleton. 
Now, in the 8K range, a guy that I do really like is Ryan Kalkbrenner of Creighton. He hasn't been under 29 fantasy points in his last seven games. That gives him a super high floor if you are a cash game player. And he also had 41 fantasy points last time against Seton Hall, which gives him a really solid ceiling. Seton Hall is really undersized down low. And I just think it's a really good spot for Kalkbrenner. I'm probably going to have him in most of my lineups Wednesday night. Now, all in one game, we got three 8K bigs. Grant Basile, Justin Mutz of Virginia Tech, and Quentin Post of Boston College. They all three have upside playing against each other. Like, um, Boston College hasn't exactly been the most stout defense to bigs, and neither has Virginia Tech. So I think that both are really all three of these guys are an option. Um, I think that of the three, I think that they're probably going to kind of go overlooked. I think that a lot of people are probably going to pay up for Ryan Kalkbrenner or pay down um, in the 8K range at a forward position altogether. Um, and so I definitely think that there is some upside in playing all three of those guys. Not in the same lineup, of course, but Basili, Mutz, and Post, I think there is upside in playing them as bigs Wednesday night. Heading down to the 7K range, Liam Robbins of Vanderbilt had an absolutely insane usage rate and an insane game against Ole Miss for a 54.5 fantasy point performance last Saturday. Now, if that usage rate continues, like if he sees the same amount of shots and rebounds and assists that he had, um, or the same opportunities, I should say, that he had Saturday, then I don't think he'll get 54.5 against Tennessee. Tennessee's a really great defensive team, but I kind of like the idea of playing a guy who's going to have the ball in his hands that much. Good things tend to happen when you play guys who have the basketball in their hand. So um, I don't mind going back to Liam Robbins, but definitely buyer beware going up against a really tough defensive team that is Tennessee. Arthur Kaluma of Creighton is another guy that I could see having a big game against Seton Hall. You know, maybe Ryan Kalkbrenner gets in foul trouble. Maybe Seton Hall turns this into a super small ball show. I don't know. But he did have 32 fantasy points last time against Seton Hall. I probably wouldn't play Kalkbrenner and Kaluma together. But if you don't think you can get all the way up to Kalkbrenner, I do think Kaluma is an option. Derek Fountain of LSU is a guy that I was pretty high on last Saturday. I had him in a few of my lineups. Um, but he's up 2K in price from last Saturday, which is kind of wild if I'm being honest. It was only one performance. However, it was a 46.8 fantasy point performance. I don't necessarily have as much faith in him to repeat that yet. Um, I think he makes for an intriguing GPP play because he has shown that amount of upside. But he, there's nothing in the box scores or in watching LSU that makes me think that they're going to continue to give him the same amount of shots that he got last Saturday. And so, like I said, interesting roll of the dice play in a GPP. But for me, probably a pass. If, if he was still in the 5K range, I'd be telling you to absolutely smash him. But up here at 7K, um, probably a pass on Derek Fountain for me. Now heading down to the 6K range. Playing big men against Penn State has been a pretty solid matchup all season. So Stephen Crowell of Wisconsin gets that matchup Wednesday night. He had 39.3 fantasy points against him the first time these two teams played, which would be a pretty solid return if you play Stephen Crowell Wednesday night and you get that outcome. Olivia Nkamwa of Tennessee has shown a lot of upside lately. He did have a 43 fantasy point game against Texas. I kind of regard him in the same way that I regard Derek Fountain. Um, which is a lot of upside. Interesting roll of the dice in GPP play, but he's definitely not a safe play. I would say I'd be more likely to play in Conway because I think he'll be lower owned than Fountain, and I think that he possesses about the, an equal amount of upside for a lesser cost. 
Now, there are two guys that are getting price discounted in this 6K range, and that is Tanner Groves and Musa Cisse. Tanner Groves has been not the most productive player lately, but we're getting a tempo up game. We know that Oklahoma has the potential to run their offense through him in the post. And then we've got Musa Cisse of Oklahoma State, who is returning from injury. I think he's back to a full minute load, and I think that he's we're not going to see him in the 6K range very much longer. Heading down to the 5K range, I'll be totally honest, I'm cool skipping this range altogether when building my lineups. However, there is a guy, or two guys I should say, at an even 5K that I am interested in. The first is Cameron Corrin of FSU. He has two straight games over 20 fantasy points, and we've mentioned this all season. Syracuse, we all know they play that 2-3 zone. Give me a guy who can get offensive rebounds against a 2-3 zone, and that is Cameron Corrin when it comes to the Florida State Seminoles. I also think at an even 5K, Jonathan Chamachachua of Baylor. I think I nailed that. Jonathan Chamachachua. I really think I did. Anyway, he has some upside in my opinion. He played one game so far this season. Incredible story how he's coming back from injury. He played 13 minutes on Saturday, and he had 13 fantasy points. A fantasy point per minute is not exactly a common accomplishment. So maybe he gets a boost up to 20 minutes and he sees himself get 20 fantasy points. Or, you know, maybe there's a little bit of variance and that one fantasy point becomes 1.2 fantasy points. And now on 15 minutes, he's scoring you 20 fantasy points. Like that's absolutely a possibility. Like it's in the realm of possibility for him to have a really good game at this price tag. Now looking at the 4K range and below, not a whole lot of value on here in my opinion. Um, for Alabama, going up against Colin Castleton, I could see Charles Bediaco. I believe I pronounced that correctly. I could see Charles Bediaco getting an increased minutes load to kind of match the size with Castleton. Um, I definitely think there's a little bit of risk there, but I wouldn't mind going to it. I think as a um, as a predictive play, it makes sense. Michael Hen of Penn State was really trendy heading into Sunday's game. Um, he had two back-to-back performances that were pretty solid. Uh, everybody played him on Sunday, which means that everybody was burned by him when he only had 5.8 fantasy points. I think that will keep ownership off of him. And so if you're looking to really relieve some salary, I think he is a guy that is an option for Penn State tomorrow night. Um, now, granted, like I said about um, – I don't remember who it was I said this about, but it's not a safe play by any means, but it is a guy that has a little bit of upside and he's definitely got a price tag. And I think the ownership will be away because everybody got burned by him. West Virginia's James Aconquo has seen a little bit of an increased minutes load in his last four games. And he's hit four times value in three of those last four games. Definitely don't mind going to Aconquo. Now, in terms of pure punt plays, Nebraska is going to have some issues with Hunter Dickinson, y'all. And if they do, they're going to have to go to that bench and play somebody. And those two options that are available are Blaze Kata and Wilhelm Breidenbach. And so maybe one of them has a little bit of value as a guy who might play 20 minutes just to guard Hunter Dickinson. Um, I don't know. I, I think it, this is a really tough slate to look at for punt plays. There's not a whole lot of injuries. There's there's not a whole lot of cheap guys that are going to be in increased roles. Um, and those two, and even 3K, maybe there's a little bit of upside there. Personally, I would probably, if I'm playing anybody under 4K, um, I like Aconquo of West Virginia. Uh, and then at the guard position, I like Lamar Washington. If Isaac sits, I like KT Ramey. Um, I would probably just stick it with those guys in terms of the pure value plays on this Wednesday night slate. All right, so that does it for the Wednesday night college basketball preview. If you want to see how I take all of that information and synthesize it and put it into one lineup, 
well, really two lineups because I'll give you one for DraftKings and one for FanDuel, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. It's not the full lineup, but it is most of a lineup, most of a build um, that's going to have a little bit of correlation. It's going to be well thought out, well researched. I can't guarantee winners every time, but what I can do is that it will be a well thought out lineup and you'll have a chance to win and hopefully it'll help you get a little bit better at DFS along the way. All right, so that is all I have to offer today. Like I said earlier, make sure you subscribe, rate, and review the podcast. It helps me out a lot. Um, When you subscribe, stay tuned to that episode feed because I'm dropping more college basketball content before the rest of the week is over. I'll also be dropping the NFL Super Bowl um, showdown DFS content as well. And I also have content for the Waste Management Phoenix Open, the golf tournament this week as well. All right. So looking forward to this Wednesday night slate, y'all. Hopefully, we were able to give you all the information you need to build the winning lineup this slate. Hopefully, you guys enjoyed the podcast. Best of luck to you in all your DFS endeavors. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you all next time.